how do you supercharge sales of an ebook? Do you promote ebooks the same way you promote paper books? Well, you can. You can promote them the same way. But many of the most effective strategies to promoting an ebook are unique to ebooks. And if you don't know what they are, you may be missing out on massive sales. So, what are those strategies to supercharge your ebook sales? We'll find out in this episode of Novel Marketing, the longest running book marketing podcast in the world. I'm Thomas Umstadt Jr., CEO of Author Media, and this is the show for writers who want to build their platform, sell more books, and make a living writing books worth talking about. And you can think of this episode as the ebook version of the episode we did last year called Audiobook Marketing. In that episode, I specifically talked about how do you promote and boost sales of audiobooks. And in this episode, we're going to do the same thing, but for ebooks. But before we talk about those specific marketing strategies, we need to talk about who reads ebooks, because the kind of people who read ebooks are different from the kind of people who read paper books. And they're different in a couple of key ways. So the first thing to realize is that ebook buyers are voracious. Not everyone owns a Kindle. In fact, think about the kind of person who'd spend $140 to save a few bucks on each ebook purchase. For the kind of person who's only reading one or two James Patterson books a year, it doesn't make financial sense to buy a Kindle, especially since James Patterson ebooks are often the same price as his paper books, <laughs> which leads us to the next thing it's important to realize about ebook buyers is that they often read indie books. If you look at the NPD book scan numbers, this is the big industry association that uh, collects data for traditional publishers, you will see that ebook sales are flat or even in decline. If you look at the Kalytics numbers, this is a data firm that provides data for indie authors primarily, you'll hear that ebook sales are still seeing double digit growth over the year. So why the discrepancy? Well, if you dig into MPD's methodology, you will find that they don't collect data on indie Kindle sales. They only collect data on traditionally published Kindle books and only from the publishers who choose to share their data with MPD BookScan. So MPD Group has a big hole in their data. And if you talk to somebody from BookScan, they dismiss this hole, assuming that the number for indie sales can't be that big, but they couldn't be more wrong. <laughs> so let's look at those numbers together. And if, one of the best ways to do this is to look at the charts on Amazon and see who's ranking. So Amazon has a chart for books overall, but it also has a separate bestseller chart just for eBooks. So you can see who's ranking number one and who's ranking number two. Now, right now, Colleen Hoover is having her moment. She's all over the New York Times bestseller list. Her books have blown up on TikTok, not because of anything she did on TikTok. It wasn't a TikTok marketing tactic that Colleen Hoover used. Her TikTok users got onto her book, and that's why she's blowing up. So don't think that if you get on TikTok and start dancing, you can dance your way to the kind of uh, success that she is seeing. But if you look at the contemporary romance charts on Amazon right now, as I record this, the best Colleen Hoover can get is number two. Do you know who's beating her in Kindle sales? It's the indie author Hannah Grace. <laughs> and this is very common. It's very common for indie authors to outrank the very best selling traditional authors on ebooks. Why? How on earth are indies able to beat the top traditional authors in ebook sales? Well, it leads us to our next thing that's important to realize about ebook readers is that they are price sensitive. As I record this, the Kindle version of James Patterson's memoir is $14.99. The hardback version is $14.50, and it comes with free same-day delivery. <laughs> so I can order the Kindle version and have it right now, or I can order for 50 cents less a hardback and have it delivered in just a few hours for free. Patterson's most recent Alex Cross novel is also $14.99. While the paper version ranks very high, as I record this, the Kindle version is only at rank 200 in the crime thriller category. The number one Kindle book in that category costs $4.99. This is key. Hannah Grace 
The author who's currently outranking Colleen Hoover is doing it with a book priced at just $3.99. Now, here's the interesting thing. Indie authors are actually making more money off of a $4.99 book than the traditional authors are on a $9.99 book. So how is that possible? Well, indie authors are making a 70% royalty on indie book sales, while traditional authors get between a 10% and 25% royalty, depending on how good their agent is and various other factors. But let's say that the author's agent's really good and that the author's getting the full 25% royalty. 25% of $9.99 is $2.49. 70% of $4.99 is $3.49. So indie authors are making $1 more with a $4.99 ebook than traditional authors are making on a $9.99 ebook. But they really make even more than that. Why? Because that $4.99 book will outsell the $9.99 book, all things being equal. People are always price sensitive, right? You go to the store, you compare prices, and you buy the cheaper thing, right? It takes a lot of marketing to convince consumers to buy the more expensive thing. But we're just getting started. So not only is Hannah Grace making more money per copy, and not only is she selling more copies, but Hannah Grace's number one book, Icebreaker, is currently in Kindle Unlimited, while Colleen Hoover's number two book, Verity, is not. So Kindle Unlimited is like Netflix for ebooks, where authors get paid per page read. And this is in addition to the sales that they're getting on the book. Uh, the amount of money per page is split across all of the authors in Kindle Unlimited from a pot of money. And so how big is that pot of money? Well, in August of 2022, which is our most recent numbers, the pot was $45 million. So 12 months at that rate would make the pot $540 million annually. But I should point out, the pot has grown over time. So that's actually a low estimate. So it doesn't grow every month, but it grows most months, month over month. I'll have a link in the show notes for you to see the historical Kindle Unlimited pot of money. So, and here's the interesting thing. Traditional publishers tend to shy away from Kindle Unlimited, leaving most of that half a billion dollars to indie authors. That's half a billion dollars going directly into the pockets of indie authors like Hannah Grace rather than into the pockets of traditional authors like Colleen Hoover. And all of that money is going directly to the authors. <laughs> so you, you'll see big numbers in uh, traditional publishing. It was like, yeah, we have $5 billion worth of sales, $6 billion worth of sales for the paper books. But most of that money stays with the traditional publisher. Uh, the typical royalty for a paper book is something like 15%. And so while a $15 paper book may only bring a $1 royalty to the author, the other $14 is split between the publisher, the wholesaler, and the retailer. There's a lot of piglets at that trough. And this is what gives indie authors such a price advantage in the ebook market and why indie authors are taking over the ebook market. Every year they gain market share from traditional authors. Now on the flip side, Traditional authors still have dominant market share in paper because indie authors do what's called print on demand, which means that the cost per paper book is pretty high, actually. So all of the reasons that give indies an advantage in ebooks become a disadvantage in paper books. Offset printing at high volume brings the cost for a paper book down really low between $1 and $2 often, sometimes even cheaper if you're getting that volume high enough. And that's what allows these traditional publishers to sell the paper book so cheaply. <laughs> and they often don't want the ebook to sell well because the fewer paper books they sell, the higher the per unit cost is on the paper book. So what we're seeing is this kind of bifurcation in the market where indie authors are gravitating more and more towards ebooks while traditional authors are gravitating more and more towards paper books, right? Little Brown and Company doesn't have to price James Patterson's ebooks at $15 an ebook. In fact, there's a chance, I don't know what their particular contract is with Amazon, they might be making a lower percentage on the $15 book than they would be on that same book at $10 or at $9.99, which means they're shooting themselves in both feet, but they're doing it specifically to prop up paper sales because they're still in the paper business. Okay, so 
let's talk about the next thing that's unique about ebook buyers or, or different is that ebook buyers prefer fiction. When readers read a nonfiction book, they might start at chapter four and they might skip around. They might highlight portions, dog ear pages, lend a copy to a friend or show the book off on a bookshelf as a conversation starter. None of these things are easy with an ebook. And let me illustrate this with an example. The best-selling nonfiction book every year is the Bible. And the experience of reading the Bible on a Kindle is terrible. If the pastor at church says to turn to John 3.16, if you have a Kindle, you'll be the last one in church to get to that passage. Everyone else will get there faster. The people with paper Bibles will get there faster, and the people with Bible apps on their phones will get there faster. And so while some readers are happy to buy Kindle nonfiction books, other Kindle owners will only buy fiction as an ebook, and they'll choose either paper or audio for nonfiction. In fact, according to the most recent AAP numbers, as reported by the Hot Sheet, traditional nonfiction audiobook sales have now surpassed traditional nonfiction ebook sales. So there's more people buying audiobooks than ebooks in nonfiction, just to give you an idea. So it doesn't mean that no one buys nonfiction, but selling a nonfiction ebook is just harder. So it's not impossible, but you are going to have to tack against a headwind. So some of the tactics we'll talk about, you'll still be able to use, but some of them you won't be able to use. And just realize that there is a bias amongst readers against nonfiction ebooks. So hopefully that gives you an idea of how the ebook market is different than the paper book market and why some tactics work better than others. So with that, let's go to ebook marketing strategy number one, price pulsing. Since ebooks lack printing and shipping costs, ebooks are high margin. There's a lot of meat on the bones, even at low prices. And this means that you can play with the pricing in ways that help juice your rankings in the charts. A price pulse is a temporary reduction in the book's price. You can think of it like putting the book on sale, except sales are controlled by the retailer. What you're doing with the price pulse is you're actually changing the MSRP of the book. You're changing the suggested price. So Amazon doesn't have to use your price, but it tends to use your price. <laughs> and again, a lot depends on, on your contract with Amazon. But a temporary price drop creates urgency and can help create buzz around a book that can continue even after the price goes up. Because people want to read the fiction that their friends are reading. So if you get a bunch of people reading a cheaper version of the book, they'll talk about your book to their friends who then have to go and buy the full price version if they missed out on the deal. Dropping the price alone, though, doesn't set the world on fire. It's not going to make much of a splash because there are... At any given time, hundreds of thousands of books that are on sale on Amazon. So to really make this strategy work, you need to get the word out about the price drop. The classic way to do this is with a BookBub featured deal. BookBub has an email list of millions of ebook readers. And publishers and indie authors pay BookBub to feature ebook price pulses in their emails. So the only way to get a book featured on a BookBub deal is for it to be on a price pulse or for it to be on sale. And uh, BookBub featured deals currently cost between $100 and $4,000, which is a big range. I'll have a link to the specific genres and what the pricing is. The more of a discount you offer, the cheaper the deal costs. But I'll say most BookBub deals land in around the $800 price. And back when I was the marketing director, for a publishing company, we did a lot of BookBub deals and they were a, an incredible investment. We tracked them very carefully and I think every single one of them paid for it itself within 24 hours. Um, I think we had one book that just no readers didn't like. <laughs> that book may not have uh, broken even, but all of the other books did incredibly well with BookBub deals. But I should say that BookBub is not the only option. BookBub has dozens of competitors like eReader News Today, Fussy Librarian, Authors XP, and many, many more. And once your email list gets big enough, you can do your own price pulse to your own email list. This is the strategy that indie author Shatona Havig uses to keep her backlist bringing in steady revenue. And I have an interview with her on my other podcast. So she has over 52 books in her backlist. And so every week she puts a different book on sale 
and she gets a really steady flow of income, even from books that she wrote a long time ago. So we have an entire episode on price pulsing. The title is How to Use Price Pulsing to Supercharge Your Backlist Sales. There's a lot more to price pulsing than what I'm going into here. In fact, I think for every one of the strategies I'm going to talk about in this episode, I have a whole episode on it, or for, at least for most of them. And so if you're wanting to use the strategy, I encourage you to listen to my episode that really gets into the nitty gritty of the do's and the don'ts. Speaking of backlists, I do recommend that you wait at least a year before you start price pulsing. You don't want your most devoted fans to feel like schmucks for paying the full price. Now, what you could do is a what's called a reverse coupon, where the book is a cheaper price when it first comes out as a way of motivating everyone. So the book's $3.99 for the first two weeks, and then the price goes up to $4.99. So buy the book right away you know, to get access to this discounted price. That kind of reverse coupon announcing a future price raise is very effective and it can really help you climb the charts. And then after a year, you get your book at $4.99, you might price pulse down to $1.99 for a short period and do a book bub deal. That's kind of how the strategy works. The most extreme form of price pulsing is called free pulsing, which is where you price pulse all the way down to zero for a short time. This is a tactic you just can't do with paper. It financially doesn't make sense to give away free paper copies of your book because there's a real cost to that paper copy. It might make sense to influencers or journalists or CEOs, pastors, people who have the ability to order hundreds of copies or recommend your book to thousands of people. Giving them free copies might make sense, but you couldn't just give free copies out willy-nilly because it's expensive to print a paper book. But it costs no money to give away a free copy of an ebook. And this is a great way to get readers who haven't heard of you to take a risk on your book. And if your book thrills them, you've just created a fan. So this is a attract, engage, and convert all in one strategy. And it can catapult you to success. And I should say, we have a whole episode on free pulsing as well. Free pulsing only works, though, if the book itself thrills the reader. And when some authors see how effective free pulsing is, they go all the way and use ebook marketing strategy number two, permafree. A permafree book is a book that is permanently free. So why would you give away a book for free forever? Right, you're basically dooming a book to never bring in revenue, at least the ebook to never bring in revenue. So why would you do that? Well, to get readers addicted to your writing. This is the Costco-free sample strategy, and it works best for addictive first books in a series. And we experimented with this strategy back when I was the marketing director for a publishing company. This was a, a big conversation within the company, but I made a case for it. I was able to convince the company to take a shot, and we measured very carefully. I took our most popular trilogy, and I made the first ebook in the series free, and then we measured the effect on sales for books number two and number three. And what we found was that the book sales for two and three went up by way more than what we lost in revenue from book one. I want to say sales doubled or tripled on books two and three. I don't remember the exact numbers, but the total amount of money went up dramatically. And the prominence of the author went up a lot because all of these readers were now being introduced to her and, and taking a, a shot. Well, I haven't heard of this author, but the book is free, so I might as well give it a, a go. And, and they're like, wow, this is really good. Oh, there's another book in the series. They go on to buy that. So we still got our money <laughs> out of the readers. We just got the money from them on books two and books three. And we tried this with several other series, and in general, it worked well. But it didn't work with every book, and it didn't work with every series. If the free book isn't addicting enough, or if readers don't finish it, they won't go on to book two. But for books that are like drugs, giving out free samples works well. So Permafree rewards authors who know how to give readers what they really want. And the metric, if you're looking at a book, trying to determine if the book will work as a Permafree book, is a metric called read-through rate read-through rate is the percentage of people who purchase book one and then go on to buy book two and so on. So if you have a high percentage of people who buy book one and then they go on to buy books two and three, permafree may work well for you. 
If you have a low read-through rate, this strategy is basically throwing money away. So what makes a read-through rate high? I would say probably the most important thing is the characters of the book. If readers fall in love with your characters, they want to spend more time with them and they want to know what will happen to those characters in the next book. After that, it's everything else that is also important. Craft, plot, setting, etc. So what determines read-through rate or how do you calculate the read-through rate? What I recommend doing is a price pulse on book one. So you normally get 50 sales a day on book one and then you do a price pulse and you get a thousand and fifty sales let's say you then look and see over the next 30 days how many extra sales you get on book two and you can do the math you subtract out the expected so you have to track your sales over time to get a kind of an average daily sales number and then you, you pull out the average daily sales number from the current sales and you're able to then do the math and get a percentage of, okay, we had a thousand people buy book one, and then we had 800 people buy book two and 750 people buy book three. Or some books you'll say we had a thousand people buy book one, and then we had 20 people buy book two. (laughs) So it really depends. Some books just don't hold readers' attention. And if you're looking at the numbers, you can see that. As an author, it can hurt to see that people aren't finishing your book. And And that actually is an indication if you have a poor read-through rate on the price pulse on book one, maybe don't write the third book in that trilogy, right? Maybe go back and work on your craft, rework book one, put out a second edition. Because if, if people don't get through book one, they're not going to ever get to book three. And it doesn't matter how much marketing you put behind book three, and it doesn't matter how well-written book three is. If book one doesn't grab them, even if they pay for book one, they won't get there. So how do you make your book perma-free? Well, what you have to do is you have to go wide with the book. This means putting your ebook on Kobo and Apple Books and Nook and all the other places. And then those other stores will allow you to price the book free. And then what you have to do is go to Amazon and send them a message. And there's a template you can get from their website where you request them to price match to the free book somewhere else. So you can't just make a book free through your KDP dashboard. You have to go through these hoops. And once it is free, it's a bit of a hassle to make it not free anymore because Amazon wants to always have the lowest price, which means you have to get it unfree at all the different places. So just realize perma-free has got the word permanent built into it. It's not impossible to take a book out of being perma-free, but if you're wanting it to be free just temporarily, Amazon does have tools built in if you're in KDP Select to make a book free temporarily. So realize which strategy you want to go with. If you want a free pulse, that's very easy. You don't have to jump through any hoops. But if you want to go perma-free, there are a few extra hoops you have to jump through. Now let's talk about ebook marketing strategy number three, reader magnets. So you don't actually need to go through Amazon to get your book on people's Kindles or Nooks or what have you. In fact, there's one big benefit that comes from connecting with readers directly, email list growth. So the bigger your email list, the more readers you can send to buy your book during its launch week. And the more purchases you get during launch week, the higher your book ranks in the charts and the more new readers discover your book while browsing those charts. This is the whole game. So email list size is one of the top predictors of an ebook success. It's really the top predictor of a book success overall but ebooks particularly. So what is a reader magnet and why does it work so well for ebook readers? Well, a reader magnet is a free gift that you give readers after they subscribe to your email list. A good reader magnet motivates readers to join your list while also introducing them to you and your writing. It can be a short story, a prequel, a tip sheet, or even a full-length book. My course, Obscure No More, comes with a lot of training on how to grow your email list and we have a whole section just on reader magnets, how to put them together, how to make them look great. We have 50 reader magnet ideas for fiction, and we have another session that's 21 kinds of nonfiction reader magnets. Now, I should say the reader magnets work on everybody. They don't just work on ebook readers, but they work best on Kindle owners who are looking for free books to put on their Kindles. <laughs> so I have a couple of episodes on reader magnets that you can check out. I have how to create a reader magnet and how to grow your email list using delicious reader magnets with Temi Labrec. 
But before we go on to the next strategy, let me give you a couple of quick tips on reader magnets. I recommend that you feature your reader magnet on your website. In fact, right on your homepage, either as the first element or the second element. If you have a new book out, I put the new book as the first element. Otherwise, I'd have that reader magnet as the first element. Because once you get someone on your email list, if you do a good job cultivating that list, you can sell them more than one book. Because <laughs> you don't know for sure that Amazon will promote your book to people who pre purchased your previous books. But once they're on your email list, you know for sure you can email them and let them know about the new book that's out. If you have a blog, I would also include it in the sidebar or perhaps below each blog post or even in a pop-up, like a corner popper or a bottom popper or even a center popper. If your reader magnet's really strong, you'll find that pop-up can be really effective. Just don't have it pop right away. That's really annoying. Let it wait 30 seconds. Put a timer on that pop-up. And if you're needing help with that, we go into specifically the technical details in, in my course, Obscure No More. But it, you basically just have to use a, a more advanced pop-up tool like Bloom. The next tip is to feature your reader magnet in your back matter. And this is especially effective in your most recent book. So the back matter are the pages after the, the end. I have a whole episode on back matter and what you can put there. You don't want to overwhelm people with options. You don't want to send them on a scavenger hunt. But if you had a powerful emotional connection with your reader in the book and they're feeling something, you can leverage those good feelings to get the reader to take action. So obviously the best thing for them to do is to buy the next book. So I think each book needs to primarily promote the next book in the back matter. But if there is no next book, right, this is the most recent book, then I would feature the reader magnet and say, hey, you want more of these characters? Well, guess what? You can get a free prequel or a free short story right here and you can have the link. And this is the nice thing about eBooks. And they tap the link on their Kindle or on their iPad and it takes them straight to a page where they can then get that short story. The other thing I would do with Reader Magnet is to feature it on promo sites. So there's a bunch of websites like BookSweep, Story Origin, Authors XP, and even BookFunnel now that will help you get your Reader Magnet in front of readers. And this can be in the form of contests, giveaways, promo swaps, and more. There's, I don't know, a dozen different techniques. I have interviews with the CEOs of BookSweep, Story Origin, and Authors XP in their own episodes. I'll link to them in the show notes. I'm hoping to get BookFunnel on the show. If anyone has a contact there, put me in touch. Uh, they don't have a press contact on their website. So it's uh, a little difficult to get to the right person over there. But each one of these platforms has some cost attached. But in my experience working with authors, this is the cheapest cost per email that you'll spend anywhere online. I, I know quite a few authors who are able to quickly add between 500 and 1,000 email subscribers with one $50 book sweeps giveaway or $100 book sweeps giveaway. That's a really good price to pay for 1,000 new subscribers. Each one of these websites has a slightly different community of authors. So what I recommend is trying out all three at least once. And if you get really good results from one of them, come back and do it again. There are diminishing returns. You know, once you have gathered in all of the you know, fantasy fans from book sweeps, you've gathered in all the fantasy fans from book sweeps. And so continuing to promote to that same group, you've already reached them all. So you do want to space out your promotions. New people sign up for book sweeps. New people sign up for story origin for sure. But most of the people who will see your promo are the people who've been book sweepers for a long time. The fourth strategy to supercharge your ebook marketing is to do a Goodreads ebook giveaway. For a modest fee, Goodreads will host a giveaway for your book. And you can give away either a paper book or an ebook. But ebooks are by far the better choice. For one, you don't have to pay $10 to print and ship each copy of the book. So a paper giveaway costs you more. But secondly, you can have as many as 100 winners, which means that's 100 Goodreads users potentially leaving you reviews, not just on Goodreads, but potentially on other stores as well. So if you're struggling, like, I just can't get enough reviews on my book, consider doing a Goodreads giveaway. Finally, the other advantage of an ebook giveaway over a paper book giveaway is that there's a lot of people who enter Goodreads paper giveaways just to get a free copy of the book that they then put up for sale on Amazon. 
and it's a way of basically making free money. <laughs> and you then end up competing with your own contest winners where they're selling your book cheaper than you're selling your book. But it's more than just the 100 winners that you get the benefit from because everyone who enters a giveaway will add your book to their want-to-read shelf, which will promote your book to their friends on Goodreads. So a good, effective Goodreads giveaway is kind of like throwing a pebble into a still pond. It creates all of these ripples of promotion throughout Goodreads and can be a really great way of introducing you to new readers. And I could go more into Goodreads, but I have a a really good episode I recorded recently called How to Use Goodreads to Promote Your Book, where I go into giveaways and the other ways that you can use Goodreads to promote your book. And so I encourage you to check out that episode. Ebook marketing strategy number five is Amazon page optimization. So there's several ways that you can spruce up the Kindle sales page on Amazon that you can't for the audiobook version and some that you can't for the paper version either. So on Amazon, there are different product pages for each version of the book. So the paperback, hardback, audiobook, and ebook. And they share certain elements, so they share the same reviews, except the audiobook version also has separate reviews. If you actually really look at an Amazon page, it's surprisingly complex. But Kindle has a couple of cool features that you may not know about. And these really make a difference if you take advantage of them. The first is Amazon A-plus content. So with Amazon A-plus content, you get a new section on your book page called From the Publisher. And in this section, you can add images, graphics, endorsements, comparison charts, series info, author info, and more. Really a beautiful, much prettier than a standard Amazon page. And I'm shocked at how few authors know about Amazon A-plus content. And for a long time, uh, A-plus content seemed to only be for the Kindle version of books, but now some authors can use it for the paper version of their books. In fact, I was doing a lot of research trying to find an author (laughs) who has using Amazon A-plus content for the the paper version of their book, and I was finally able to find one, so I had to make a last-minute change to my notes. But I, I decided to keep this in here because you can't use A-plus content for the audiobook version yet. So this is still an ebook strategy. But I would do A-plus content for both the paper and the ebook now that they're rolling it out more broadly. Now, this is the kind of work that you do once to set up, and then you benefit from it over time. The second Amazon optimization is Kindle Instant Preview. Kindle Instant Preview allows Amazon visitors to read the first few pages of your book right there on Amazon. But, and this is really cool, you can also embed that preview on your website, which means that there's basically an ebook reader built into your website. So somebody can read the first few addicting pages of your book right there on your website, and it has Amazon affiliates built in. And so if they then click to buy the book, you get affiliate commission for that sale. The WordPress plugin, My Book Table, has Kindle Instant Preview built in. Amazon actually requested that we add this feature to the plugin. But you don't need the plugin to add it to your website. In fact, I'll have an example, Kindle Instant Preview, in the show notes for this episode. And it was really easy to add to the blog post without needing a plugin or anything. So how do you do it? Well, here are the steps. First, you go to the Amazon Kindle page for the book you want to embed. Then you look for a link that says embed. This kind of floats around the page. So I would do Command F uh, or Control F on your keyboard to just search for that word. You click embed. It will open up a little pop-up with some code. You just click copy code. Then you go into your website. And if you're using WordPress, you just add the uh, module to the web page or the blog post you want to add the preview called add custom HTML. And then you just paste in that code. <laughs> That's it. Then you click save. And boom, now you've got an ebook reader built right into your website with your affiliate info all ready to go. I'll have the steps as well as potentially some screenshots in the show notes for this episode if you're wanting help. But uh, there's no reason not to have Kindle Instant Preview on your book page at least, and perhaps on some of your blog posts as well. Also, you can use this as you're reviewing books. All right, ebook marketing strategy number six is KDP Select. So we already mentioned KDP Select, that half a billion dollars goes out to authors every year. 
That's a lot of money. Half a billion dollars. <laughs> to access that pool of funds, you need to enter your book in KDP Select, which means that while your book is in KDP Select and eligible for Kindle Unlimited, the ebook is exclusive to Amazon for at least three months. The paper book is not exclusive. So you can have your ebook just as a Kindle book for the however long you're in this program. But the paper book will always be available to everyone. The Amazon doesn't go exclusive with paper books as far as I know. So just keep that in mind. Getting into KDP Select is not without any drawbacks, but you're not locked in. So after those three months, you can pull your book out of KDP Select. And some authors will strategically put books into KDP Select for short periods of time and then pull them out. Others just keep their books in there all the time to have a straw into that pot of half a billion dollars. <laughs> it's not a small amount of money. And I walk you through the pros and cons of each one of these approaches in my episode, What Indie Authors Need to Know About Kindle Unlimited with Lacey Williams. And you may be a little confused. KDP Select is the term of the program for authors. Kindle Unlimited is that same program, but the brand for readers. It's a little bit confusing and it's a little bit more complicated than that. But this is the, if you're not familiar with those terms, this will get you enough to get to the next step. Amazon not only pays you for the each page read through Kindle Unlimited, but each reader who checks out your book on Kindle Unlimited, that counts as a sale. And this is part of the reason why so many indies are often able to outrank traditional authors because their KU checkouts are counting as sales on the ranks. So if you put your book in Kindle Unlimited, it helps you rise in the rankings. Or on the flip side, the other way to look at it is not having your book in Kindle Unlimited hurts you in the rankings. It's much harder to rank for your book if it is not in Kindle Unlimited. Uh, I should point out that Kindle Unlimited rewards authors for writing books that readers actually want to read <laughs> by paying per page. So while it counts as a sale, if somebody checks out your book, you don't get any money from that until they actually start to read pages. So Kindle Unlimited pays better for epic fantasies that readers can't stop reading than it does for a short diet book that once people get the diet instructions on chapter one, they stop reading. <laughs> they only read 20 pages and they're like, oh, I got a good feel for this diet. I'll give it a shot. That may be a successful sale as a paper book but it would not be a successful KDP Unlimited book. You want uh, books that people want to keep reading and want to finish. Having your book in Kindle Unlimited also helps with your Amazon search engine optimization. So when somebody's searching for cozy romance, the KDP select books will outrank all things being equal because those checkouts count as sales and the Amazon search algorithm favors popular books. So your book will look more popular for the search algorithm. So if your ebook sales are low and you haven't tried KDP Select, this may be the reason because especially for fiction, more and more of the money going to indie novelists for ebooks is going through the Kindle Unlimited program. And traditional publishers are very nervous about this. It's why they are so hesitant to get into Kindle Unlimited because they don't want an all-you-can-eat buffet for their food, so to speak. But what that means is that the buffet, which has half a billion dollars every year in it, I'm going to just keep saying that until people listen, is being left to the people who are willing to walk the buffet. So if you're willing to put your book in the buffet, there's potentially a lot of money in it. And I would encourage you, if you haven't tried it, to just try it for three months and see what happens. You may be stunned at how much more money you make overall with your book in KDP Select than your book makes without it being in KDP Select. And if it doesn't work, if losing your Kobo sales and your Nook sales and your iBook sales is more than what you gained in KDP Select, after three months, just put your book back in Apple Books. It's You're not locked in for a long period of time. It's not like an audible contract where you're locked in for seven years. It's just three months. It's worth experimenting with. The final ebook marketing strategy we're going to talk about today is digital advertising. So online advertising can work for paper books, but it works best for ebooks. Why? Because paper books are an artifact of the real world, many people still purchase paper books by browsing the shelves at a physical bookstore. 
fact, physical bookstores are doing great. They saw sales skyrocket last year. Biggest year-over-year gains maybe ever, (laughs) indicating that the lockdowns did not permanently change consumer behavior. In fact, I think for a lot of readers, they realized just how much they missed bookstores. And so bookstores, particularly indie bookstores that do a good job of reflecting the local community and do a good job curating the books, are doing really well. Ebooks, on the other hand, are an artifact of the online world. <laughs> so readers can see a digital ad for an ebook and within minutes have a copy of that book on their Kindle. Ebooks are also higher margin, which makes it them really profitable to advertise. Right? When you're making 70% of the money back straight into your pocket, you can spend a lot of money on ads and still be profitable. So while ebooks are easy to buy for somebody who's already online, buying an ebook offline is a hassle of QR codes, app downloads, and lots of fiddly steps. So digital advertising really lends itself to ebooks, and ebooks don't lend themselves to being sold in person. So you're at a trade show or a book fair, it's harder to sell an ebook at that book fair than it is to just take someone's cash and hand them a paper book. And another cool perk of digital advertising is that it's easy to measure. In fact, authors who buy ads learn if their book is resonating with readers in really effective ways because you can see if the pitch isn't working, right? So if just the cover and the pitch, people aren't clicking on it, that tells you a lot. Or maybe they're coming, they're clicking the ad and they're coming to their page, but then they're not purchasing. So that tells you, oh, my back cover copy is weak. Or they're buying, but they're only buying book one and they're not going on to book two. So like, okay, something's up in, in the writing. I need to work on the craft. And so you really get really useful data. So let's talk about the different kinds of digital ads that you can buy for an ebook. Now, the first is a BookBub ad, and this is different from a BookBub featured deal. And I have a whole episode on BookBub called How to Use BookBub to Sell More Books with David Gogren, where we walk through both BookBub ads and BookBub featured deals. BookBub featured deals are more effective, but you have to get approved, which is tricky. You often need at least 100 reviews, depending on your genre for your book to get approved. And even if you do have 100 reviews, it's not a guarantee. You can only do a deal, I think it's every month. If you get accepted, you can only uh, request a deal every month. So there's this kind of whole ritual around a BookBub featured deal and getting featured in BookBub is kind of a big deal. BookBub ads, on the other hand, you just pay for. They may have a mild approval process, but I don't think there's much to it. And they're not as effective as featured deals, but they're also not as expensive. The cost of entry is lower and you get much faster measurable results. So you can see if the results are profitable or not. And again, I encourage you to listen to that episode of David Gogren. Uh, David Gogren has an excellent book on BookBub ads. So in that episode, you'll, you can listen to it for free. But in the episode, he'll really push his book. And I will too. And the book is, I don't know, $5.99 for the ebook version. <laughs> so his book on BookBub deals is very reasonably priced. The next kind of ads that are very popular are Amazon ads. So you can buy ads on Amazon itself. These ads appear in search results. So when somebody does a search for cozy romance, the top two or three results that come up are for sale. They're on auction to the highest bidder. (laughs) And guess who can bid the higher? (laughs) The ebook people Uh, can always outbid the paper book people because their margins are so much better. Now, it's a little more complicated than that. But in general, well, you can buy ads for paper book. The ebooks, since they're so high margin, tend to be where most of the action is for ads. And people who buy ads for their ebooks often will see sales go up for paper books and audiobooks. Because Amazon sometimes will default the results based off of what that person has purchased in the past. So if somebody is always an ebook buyer, they never buy paper, they'll see predominantly ebook results in an Amazon search page. For me, Amazon knows that I only buy audiobooks. So it only shows me audio results. So if your book doesn't have an audiobook, it may not even rank on the first page for me unless I'm searching for it specifically. Whereas a lot of people buy some books ebook and some books paper book. And so it's kind of a, a roll of the dice which version Amazon will deliver them as the default. Obviously, they can switch. But uh, which version they see and which ad marketplace they're buying through is uh, it's not as clear as you might think. And there's a lot to say about Amazon ads. This is a 
I just wanted to say I have three whole episodes on this. <laughs> so if you haven't tried Amazon ads, you really should give it a try. There are indie authors who use just this one tactic to stay at the top of the charts. They're spending thousands of dollars on Amazon ads to make tens of thousands of dollars in sales. And they're able to support their whole family, put their kids through college just by writing books and buying Amazon ads. <laughs> so this is a really powerful strategy if you do it right. And if you write the kind of books that people want to read, right? So you need, you need a good cover, you need good blurbs. Amazon ads will fail if your book isn't good enough. And it's good enough as determined by the reader. It has to have good product market fit, as we would say, in business school. Uh, so I encourage you to listen to those episodes. The final kind of digital ads is Facebook ads. Facebook ads allow you to target fans of similar authors, unless you write religious books, that is. So Facebook discriminates against religious authors, preventing them from targeting readers of religious books. So if you write romance, you can target fans of similar romance authors. But if you write Christian romance, you can't. So Facebook's message to Christians is clear. Get used to discrimination. <laughs> kind of like, and the Princess Bride's like, get used to disappointment. So Facebook doesn't care for Christian authors to spend their money on Facebook. You used to be able to in the early days. If you your book was like The Shack or if your book was like Left Behind, you could target Facebook users who liked Left Behind or like The Shack. Now you can't. Another strike against Facebook ads is that with the recent privacy changes on the iPhone, the ads don't work as well, even for secular authors, but they still can work. And I know authors who are still profitably advertising on Facebook, but I know a lot more authors who were profitable on Facebook, but now the ads just aren't working. And it's either because they're getting that discrimination because they're a Christian author or because the uh, Facebook data has degraded. And so the Facebook algorithms isn't able to find the, the best fit readers for them like it used to be able to. And as people are leaving Facebook, because Facebook's losing users and the users that it does have are spending less time on Facebook. And I'll have links to articles explaining both of these things. The ad inventory is shrinking, right? So Facebook sells page views effectively and they sell clicks. So the more people who are on Facebook and the more time they spend on Facebook, the more supply there is of ad inventory. And as that shrinks, the price of ads goes up. So the price of Facebook ads is going up while as the data is degrading, the effectiveness of those ads is going down. And this is really degrading Facebook as an advertising platform. And it's not degrading it completely. But I'll just say there's a reason why Facebook stock is down so dramatically. So yes, the whole stock market's down, but Facebook is down uh, even more <laughs> by a lot. Mark Zuckerberg is no longer one of the 10 wealthiest people in the world. He's, I think, lost half of his net worth over the last year and a half. So just keep that in mind. But with all that said, if you write secular books or books that appeal to a secular audience, you still have a chance of making Facebook ads work. I have a whole episode on Facebook advertising, Facebook advertising for authors with Alana Terry. Alana Terry also has an excellent course for authors on Facebook advertising that will walk you through it. Uh, while I'm talking about advertising, Chris Fox also has a course for authors called Ads for Authors Who Hate Math. And he gave us an exclusive discount for our patrons. So if you're a patron of Novel Marketing, I think that's the only way to get a discount on his course. His course is only 100 bucks. It's not a very expensive course, but it's even cheaper than $100 if you're a patron of Novel Marketing. <laughs> so thanks to Chris Fox for giving us uh, that exclusive discount. And if you're a patron and you're like, well, how do I get the discount? Just log in to patreon.com. The very first post has all of the discount links. So that was seven strategies that you can use to supercharge your ebook sales. And I should point out that there are a lot more tactics that also work. So this is not a comprehensive list. <laughs> so some of the things that also work are book launches, PR, podcasting, public speaking, blogging, branding, platform building, and good book design, just to mention a few. And I have episodes or whole categories of episodes on each one of those things. But many of those tactics, like a good book launch, let's say, that doesn't just help the ebook. It also helps paper and audio. <laughs> so um, many marketing tactics work across the board, but the ones that I shared here either work exclusively for ebooks or they work best for ebooks. So if your ebook sales aren't what 
uh, you want them to be, if they're lagging behind your audiobook sales or your paper sales, I really encourage you to give some of these strategies that you haven't tried a shot. It may be that your bias against one of these strategies or your unwillingness to experiment with it is the one thing that's holding you back. And if you need help getting out of obscurity, if you need help with building your platform, I am putting together an entire course to help you with every aspect called Obscure No More is the name of the course. And this course will be everything I know about platform building. If you want help growing your email list, like I already mentioned, we have a whole section on growing your email list, building your website, crafting your brand. This course will give you step-by-step instructions from me, not just recorded videos where I very concisely present the material, but it also comes with a live monthly group call with me where I answer your questions. You can learn out more about that course at authormedia.com slash courses. And the name of the course is Obscure No More. You'll be hearing more about it soon. I'd like to thank our new patrons who joined in the month of September. They are Brian, Amy Kuvlane, L.A. Biscay, S.J. Pajonas, Jonathan Bryant, Adam, Larry, Natalie Aruko, Michael Dolan, Anne L. Junberg, Douglas Cornelius, Winnie Frolic, Latani C. Scott, Elizabeth Brickman, Hope Welburn, Julia Sterling, Tessa Afshar, David Aquinas, Lynn Stewart, Sue Bowles, and Marion Shevlin. Thank you so much for supporting this podcast. Thank you for keeping the Novel Marketing Podcast on the air. I could not do this without your support. The Novel Marketing Podcast is a production of Author Media. Our producer is Lori Christine. This episode's audio was edited by William Umstadt. And the blog version is crafted by Shauna Lettler. And to read that blog version of the episode, visit authormedia.com slash 343. And I should point out, we have several dozen links to related articles and related episodes. This particular blog post is packed with hyperlinks. So if you're wanting to learn more, I encourage you to go to authormedia.com slash 343. It's well worth checking out. And of course, I am Thomas Umstead Jr., your host, saying thank you for listening and live long and prosper.